This is the sound of turning ideas into software. This is the sound of engineering and passion. Work. Work more. Work harder. Experiment. Build. Break. And build again. Write code. Improve it. Job done. Celebrate. Insurance. Finance. Retail. Defense. Robotics. Energy. Amethyx. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of Amethyx Technologies based in Belgium. Today, I'm not alone. In fact, I'm with an old friend, Mr. Dennis Berner from DigiLabs. Hi, Dennis. How are you doing today? Hi, Francesco. It's an absolute pleasure to have me here. <laughs> I'm totally fine. It is. It is indeed. Well, Dennis and I are pretty much old friends now. I mean, time flies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, the, the story around us is, is very simple. We met because Dennis was one of the fellow followers of the podcast. And uh, we started hanging out on the Discord channel and a few years ago and other channels as well. I don't, I don't actually recall, but we found out that there were a lot of things in common between us. And, uh, you know, in terms of the, the things we do love doing on a daily basis, uh, it also happens that we both have two companies, uh, DigiLabs from, uh, by Dennis and Amethyx Technologies by myself. And uh, well, uh, after a, a long time or relatively long time, we have found even common ground for commercial collaboration. Is that true, Dennis? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I started, as you mentioned before, um, seeking around um, to extend my, my data science a bit in, in the area of Rust. And uh, that's why I came up um, or came across uh, your a very good podcast and also uh, the Discord channel where we met, I think it was um, one or two years ago or one yeah. year ago, something like mid of December or so. Yeah, that, that's where I thought, okay, that, that is a place where I can raise a few questions about um, Rust, how I can utilize Rust in, in the area of data science. And I thought, uh, give it a try. Man, this, this guy uh, seems to have a, a very broad knowledge in the area. Uh, I have to get in touch with them. <laughs> I appreciate your words. Well, indeed, Dennis had a lot of questions. <laughs> I hope mm -hmm. I did a decent job responding to them. Uh, but the topic of the day is going to be something that Dennis really has uh, a great experience. Uh, he was born in that topic, if, if we can say that. Um, and the topic is going to be, of course, artificial intelligence, autonomous vehicles, and batteries. I know it can be too technical sometimes whenever we speak about batteries because you know there is a lot of there uh, from chemistry to <laughs> to digital signals uh, to software engineering and then there is the you know traditional car manufacturing uh, process. Uh, so I, I I would really love Dennis to expand on these amazing topics that are definitely impacting the the daily life of many uh, uh, in these days. Uh, so Dennis, I give it to you and uh, take it over. Yeah, maybe I can uh, shortly introduce myself. So um, I started my career now in the automotive business, I think around 2003 or so, with an apprenticeship as a car salesman. And uh, from that on, um, my father launched a company as a car expert, so doing accidental reports, uh, plausibility checks for insurances. 
I think that was around 2004. And uh, that's where, where I got also a bit more technical. So um, I started with some customer acquisition and uh, office work. Uh, but later when I, when I studied, um, I, let's say, um, supported my father a lot with launching an expert network for, um, for his company and doing the first car expert work. From that on, um, I started my uh, some sort of full-time as a car expert, but I decided quite early to transfer to the automotive battery technology because it was, at least in my opinion, back in the day, um, I mean, the future, at least for me, uh, <clears throat> turns out that... And that uh, was, was a good intuition, in fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lucky, lucky me. <laughs> um, I think that was around 2012 when I oh, wow. started the transition. Yeah, so it's quite a while now, it's around 10 years or so. And uh, I moved to R&D for actually battery development. Um, I was starting my work, my professional work there in for two engineering service companies that were mainly supporting Volkswagen in, in this area here where I'm living. And yeah, before then, I before that, and, and then I transferred to uh, the technical development for batteries at VW. That was around, I think, 2015. So, and, for, those, uh, so for those who didn't get it, uh, Dennis is German. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so at, at VW, I had the chance to be part of the MEB platform, so the Modulare Elektrifizierungsbaukasten. Um, platform um, it, or and what's if you want that? translated that is something like a modular electric drive matrix that is um, um, the entire platform for multiple cars which you put on top and there was a first development of uh, let's say um, a battery in in such a scale to to be part of multiple cars in in, in that scale and um, I was one of the key developers there and had the chance to develop the um, battery modules, which was uh, super intense, but uh, super exciting. And today you can see the product on, on the market, on the roads. Um, oh, cool. It's called the ID series. And you see the ID3, ID4 and wow. so on. So that, that was in fact one of your projects that actually saw the light in, uh, in the commercial world. And, and now people are using it. Yeah, absolutely, and it's, it, it <laughs> was cool. it was really, really cool to see, or it's really, really cool to see your product now live on, on the roads. <laughs> I believe so. And then, of course, you started your own business. Is that true? Yeah, sure. Um, um, I mean, I, I was always compelled by data science and machine learning, um, and, and I was always investigating how I can learn more about it and how I can take these topics into battery development. And um, I think around, uh, or I, I decided somewhere around mid of 2020 to, to make my own thing out of it because I saw a lot of opportunities to combine the domain of batteries and the domain of data science and machine learning. Yeah, and, and we will speak about that in, in a few minutes because I mean, these are exciting times, uh, Dennis. I mean, we all agree that the automotive industry is in a huge transitions, transition. 
and and the times are really exciting as never before and and you already mentioned a, a bit of this you know um cross pollination uh between uh, you know among different very different domains and sectors like the traditional uh, car manufacturing and the software engineering world in fact so the, this 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 cross pollination in fact i think that's the best word i can find uh is is giving rise to amazing applications and and that's exactly what we want to discuss in this show um so what do you think about you know this transition and uh, what's going on in the car manufacturing uh, world yeah like you said i'm it's absolutely right so we we are now transitioning from classical car manufacturers to digital companies transitioning to mobility companies and uh, software companies or even energy companies if you compare it to VW with Stepran Ali and there are major trends ongoing in the automotive industry one of them is new mobility um that's i think a, a broad name a, a huge name underneath you can find something like uh, autonomous driving uh, the, the change of uh, ownership uh, car controllability and stuff like that and you have the connectivity part where uh, wifi ecosystems in the car car to x and um and these parts are happening also cybersecurity is, is a big part now and for sure the, the big driver of climate change it's impacting everybody now and uh, i think uh, the the companies now take the responsibilities to 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 provide better products and um, to think about their overall emission footprints and taking over uh, these responsibilities to to bring out products to the market um, from the entire or thoughts uh, where, where they um, basically think about the overall of the entire supply chain and, right. and try to make it better. Well, I've seen that you know, these are massive topics, of course, and they are super exciting. And I see that not only you know the industry is indeed um, expanding and is paying a lot more attention to these um, to these subjects, uh, like the concept of new mobility. We're gonna go into the details of what we mean by new mobility, connectivity, and climate change. But we can already you know guess and understand what we are talking about here. But I also seen uh, I've, so, I've also seen a lot of good reaction from from people from the customers, um, not only with respect to climate change, we, because we, of course that's one of the most important for us, for human beings, for sure, for the planet. Uh, but also the other two that you mentioned, the new mobility, the connectivity, are all technological issues and technological. Um, solutions that people are are liking more, more and more, and getting more and more familiar with this, with what we believe was some sort of alien stuff, right? <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I would like to expand a bit on these three, let's say, pillars of um, of this new uh, field, uh, a new exciting field. Uh, shall we start from the new mobility uh, concept? What do you exactly mean by new mobility? With new mobility, I mean, it's a general explanation, uh, but I think you can put in something like um, the transition from pure car ownership to uh, things like autonomous driving or car sharing and or ride sharing, um, or even the, let's say, subscription of, of cars where you pay already for uh, insurances, taxes, renting fees, uh, and 
can let's say uh, swap the the car after i don't know six months or so um and then you have this car controllability what i meant with autonomous driving so it's a transition from be a manual driver to maybe if you go later into a full autonomous driving that you don't even be liable for for uh, things that happen when, when you're entering the the car uh, at least for the driving part for sure um and uh, the connectivity is it's also connected to new mobility and the digital ecosystems which are coming with it because it is creating also with a combination of evs where you have a, a totally different um, space or cabin concepts because you could have a flat bottom and, and stuff like that and and the charging or refueling of the is totally different and this that creates um especially with the connecting devices um an entire new user experience like you're being in your own ecosystem inside of the car you can watch movies um you can buy stuff from from shops when you're commuting and and this is basically or roughly what what i think is is part of mobility i i'm pretty sure people out there um also think think beyond that uh, for me the basic part is the evs uh, the electric vehicles um because this plays a major role in, in this new mobility as well yeah i was uh <laughs> having a it was not a conversation I was hearing on the <laughs> on the web. I don't know if it was a joke or what, but they interviewed some guys uh, asking them, uh, what do you think about it? Why do you like Tesla? Uh, or why do you like this concept of autonomous driving? And I said, because finally I can drink in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, there are a lot joke. of jokes out there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, because that you gave me kind of a hint on uh, there are new habits that people are are having when you know with respect to this new technology and and doing you know this is unlocking a, a bunch of other habits uh, hopefully healthy uh <laughs> like watching a movie okay it's fine in a car maybe your passengers <laughs> not the driver um or drinking or having conversations or being distracted uh yeah these are kind of the consequences of what you know it's kind of an extreme extremate consequence of uh, what you can do with this new technology but i want to make sure that the listeners are pretty familiar with the fact that we are not building autonomous cars to to drink in the car or to watch movies it's 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 a brand new concept that you know habits and healthy habits and and safe habits should stay um so dennis i mean what are the challenges of new mobility? Because every time there is a new technology or a new flavor of an old technology, there are also new challenges. Uh, don't you agree with me? Absolutely. So firstly, I, I mean, I would like to briefly mention that the, the, there are studies out there. They estimate the market for or the market potential um, around 1.6 to 2 trillion US dollars a year for new, new mobility in, in general, um, based on the US market, at least um, relying on numbers now from, from uh, um, consulting companies like Deloitte and, and McKinsey. Um, but um, I think the, the changes comes with the transition itself to digital companies, the, to let's say have customer centricity at the heart and, and data 
and be a data-driven company. Um, and that is something when, when you come from the classic, let's say manufacturing, um, that is a huge challenge, like bringing software and electronics uh, in the center, bringing the user or the customer in the, in the center. And this will definitely impact um, and, and bring challenges for the software and electronics itself, uh, making it, uh, let's say, smart. Um, and will definitely impact companies from development, manufacturing, but also marketing, sales, and, and after sales. So and you're saying that you know this mix of specialties is of course beneficial for you know the final product because uh, imagine cars are getting smarter, but it's also very challenging for the production because they have to you know there is a, a massive exchange of skills and and people from completely different fields are now sitting in the same room producing the same thing, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Like, so you have to like, be literate. Like, how do you speak, how do you communicate to a, a, a guy who has been in the mechanical world with a software engineer? <laughs> hey, restart, uh, reboot. <laughs> yeah, <I'm just laughs> reboot the, the machine, yeah. That's, that probably will not happen. Uh, will happen. But I think um, you don't have to underestimate people who are maybe good at, at the art. I mean, they are, they are mostly open. I, I, at least at VW, I work with so many people who are, who are so... Um, open to to change to changes uh, maybe still on, on one thing that they said okay um, we have our processes we have our let's say experience based on that but they are they, at least from my end they were still open to learn something new and and um, learn from from others and that, and that is i think a, a good starting point but what i mentioned was um the the challenge here the transition is that it doesn't come from one year to another it takes time to to let's say, rebuild a company and, uh, and bring all things together, which is more digitalized and, and stuff like right. that. And especially more for talents. I mean, this new field and new area comes with uh, new requirements and new demands on, on the talents you need. And uh, I mean, you know, from, from other companies like Google and, and uh, Microsoft and uh, whoever else, um, that the war for talent for this, let's say, profession professionals is, I mean, it's super dense. And um, that's why companies, in my opinion, have to think about uh, how to get these talents in or how to train or teach existing staff and, and yeah. transfer them into this area. Yeah, no, makes absolute sense what you're saying. Uh, now, when we speak about autonomous vehicles, electric cars. I mean, we all know that just one name pops up in our head, which is Tesla probably. Um, but of course, I believe that, you know, that's not the only player in the field. Uh, who you think are the big players that we should pay attention to? Absolutely. So, I mean, Tesla is maybe a side topic because they are where trailblazers in, in lots of areas and uh, coming from a software background. But in general, I think you have to distinguish between the automakers and the supply chain and the supplies and, and, and uh, also technology providers like NVIDIA, Google, Apple, and also service providers because new mobility in general is not just building car, putting software on, like I explained in, in the beginning. It's, it's about the ecosystem. It's about um, also the environment from, from cities and stuff like that. And this, um, let's say, have has raised uh, a certain 
let's say, uh, new companies like um, uh, for service providers, for instance, Moya, Uber, Didi, Waymo, companies who are focusing on the specific part, not, not on the hardware part. And um, I think um, if, if you think about who are the big players, I would still name uh, the big OEMs, uh, the car manufacturers, because they have the capabilities to bring the hardware and the software in the end with, with good corporations. And um, I would, maybe I'm a bit biased here, but uh, I would name Volkswagen Group in total because they have 10 brands uh, for, for cars and, and trucks and whatever. And also already um, uh, brands like Carriot for their Software Forge, Moya, Ali as brands, and, and also um, their, their sort of stake at, at Faculty 42, which is, let's say, um, educational part where they try to build their own software engineers. And I think that that will definitely um, make VW or the Volkswagen group in general, uh, one of the keeping the one of the big players, in my opinion. Yeah. And all other OEM are, are basically now following the same, in my opinion. That's, that's interesting. So eventually we'll, uh, uh, we'll add some of these names and links to the show notes of this episode as always on uh, datascienceatom.com. Uh, and of course, uh, everybody is in, uh, invited to, uh, to join us on the Discord channel. That's exactly where Dennis and I and the others, <laughs> the others of the crew are uh, to discuss you know, podcast episodes, give opinions, even give suggestions and uh, about new episodes as well. So we uh, definitely uh, welcome, uh, welcome you there. Uh, Dennis, uh, let's speak about politics. I mean, <laughs> hang on, let me, let, let me make a preamble on this. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, when we speak about climate change, uh, new technologies that are you know, environmentally friendly, usually governments like this and and that's that's okay that's that's wonderful because i believe there should be more incentivization from governments uh for you know towards these projects these clean projects let's say how are governments involved in all this because we know for example that tesla being a pioneer or the most important uh pioneer so far in the field has received a lot of support from governments from in fact many governments around the world I'm not sure that's exactly the case for all the other manufacturers out there, uh, but what do you think are, uh, you know, what should be the role of governments? How do you think governments are involved in this? So that's a good question. I think that's uh, not too easy to answer because uh, I'm not an economist, but in my opinion, at least, um, I think um, there should be more regulatory prerequisites. Um, that means like revisions of the subsidies, the frameworks, how to transfer from old to new tech, like fuel versus electricity. Um, as you mentioned, also further investments by governments in the EU um, in, into research of these key technologies, and also um, bringing or making it compelling to, to get battery, at least in my, my world here now, and software technology um, to the local markets. So, um, which has an impact on the let's say energy expensive um, area where, where it needs some support for that, at least at the beginning. Um, that would ease at least um, the development and production back in, back in Europe. Um, then you have, on the other hand, the support for the energy sector because 
thinking about the, the huge demand of electricity that you now have for, for software, for teaching models, but also for the electric cars, for sure. Um, and also the transition to, to, let's say, sustainable technologies like solar. Um, you need a better grid. And I mean, that's something where you already see that you are uh, running into short um, or shortage because the grid is, is not as good as it should be for bi-directional smart to bi-directional charging, right? From solar roof, you have already constraints. Um, I mean, you can ask people from the solar area, they would tell you, oh man, I had a problem to shorten my, the length of the cable because it's somehow um, having an impact on the transformator, which puts my energy back to, to the grid. And I think the, that is needed to um, or that support is needed to, to make so, something like a smart grid, because it's not um, unidirectional anymore. And the last thing, which is very much into the, the area of autonomous driving, uh, or very much linked to the autonomous driving, is uh, support of a competitive IT infrastructure, like uh, 5G at roadsides, um, to enable this sort of car to X communications. Um, and also, the law set, uh, which is needed for autonomous driving, right? Absolutely. And, and so we are saying that it's a bunch of technologies that have to kind of align uh, before a, a fundamental shift is going to happen. Uh, because if you mention IT infrastructure, like 5G at the roadsides, I believe that, you know, this is not, not directly pertinent to, for example, car manufacturing and, and, and definitely not autonomous vehicles, but you know, it would facilitate a lot the adoption of the, and, and the viral spread of these new uh, technologies for sure. Uh, that makes perfect sense. Um, and then there is the software part. <laughs> the, in fact, there is the, the part about uh, data management, data science, machine learning applications. I mean, when we speak about this, uh, and I recall that the term cross-pollination um, among completely different fields, in fact, um, I believe more cars are becoming more and more, you know, wheels with computers with wheels, <laughs> in fact, <laughs> rather than cars with, uh, uh, with a brain. <laughs> because that balance, it's kind of, you know, it, it's, it's getting more and more unbalanced towards the software engineering part. Um, and that's, you know, I speak without being an expert in the field. I'm an expert in the other field, in the software engineering field. But I believe that um, there is a lot more maturity in producing, for example, a tire or a mechanical component rather than a software component integrated with a mechanical component. But again, it's my personal opinion. I would like to know more uh, from your side. Yeah, I mean, you're somehow right. Um, but that doesn't mean that the, let's say, original or the classical car manufacturers have never used software before. I mean, it's like for autonomous driving, as you know, smart sensors are needed and, and the connection. It's, I think, a bit more in, in the embedded world and, and the system uh, point of view, where you, let's say, have um, sensors which are collecting data and then you have a brain and control unit which is then making the calculations okay this is a, a stop sign or, or whatever um but i still see some points where where improvement is is needed that 
um, could be part of predictive analytics, uh, digital twins. I mean, the discussion is also not new for the uh, automotive industry, but um, I think it since data is getting more and more present also for these companies, uh, I think they're, they're making the minds way more up about uh, smart production and um, also the field analysis part. So in my opinion, uh, or in my field, especially uh, for battery production, using sensors or CV for, for checking uh, the quality of parts or um, creating dev tools for um, making good judgment on, on concepts. Or it, like I said, the, the field data analysis where you try to use um, data science uh, for failure detection. And also on that, I, I would say um, it's not just the battery, let's say manufacturers. As I said, the new mobility is about the entire environment. It's about uh, the, the entire structure and companies who are, let's say, transferring from ownership to uh, to, to other mobility concepts. And this will definitely also impact the after sales later on. That's brilliant. And then there is the, uh, you know, this new concept of mobility that is also good for the environment because we don't have to forget that uh, as there are, there can be, let's say, bad consequences of new technologies. Uh, there might also be good consequences. And that's exactly the ones that we want to focus on and we want to pay attention to. I mean, we have to be, to be optimists at some point with all the things yeah, that all the things that are happening in the world for the last two three years. Uh, let's also try thinking about you know let's be positive towards what are the good uh, consequences of having a, a completely electrical vehicle or a, a completely autonomous vehicle. Uh, how does that impact the environment? <laughs> yes. So, in my opinion, I mean, it's always a discussion about how friendly or um, environmental friendly are EVs um, in truth. So, um, but I think in, in overall, uh, since this technology somehow restarted from the origin with uh, Mr. Porsche uh, um, now these days and getting way more push, um, you still need a bit of time to, to make the overall, um, let's say technology cleaner. But at least for the energy usage, in my opinion, and that's why I also decided for my career to, let's say, move to this direction, is because I think it's um, it's important to to have a let's say future capable technology which can cope with this um, let's say needs we have now, and in this field we have, uh, as you see in the market, a lot of a lot of new startups. Um, coming up and in the, in the last years. And this also brings a new competition to existing car manufacturers in this industry. So there, there's a huge push from, from let's say, smaller companies um, towards the, let's say, industry incumbents, so to speak, to bring them out of their comfort zone. I mean, for sure, Tesla was one of the most dominant one. Um, I mean, it's a, for me, that was part of the trailblazing he did. Uh, but you also have companies like Rivian, Nio, Faraday Future, Arrival Poster. Uh, so a lot of companies who had were established, although Poster in, in this regard is a company brand from Volvo, but there, there are a lot of, or there's way less more um, barriers 
for these companies to come into this field because it's way harder to maybe develop the, the battery than the IC um, internal combustion engine, I think. Dennis, what do you think is going to happen in the future? This is kind of a philosophical question that I ask uh, traditionally on this show to all my guests. <laughs> uh, what do you think we are going to expect, we should be expecting within, let's say, five to 10 years in automotive, in your opinion? As that's a good question. So I think the most dominant trend will still be the autonomous driving. I think we now had a it's a sort of milestone, um, at least for one of the existing car manufacturers, um, Daimler, who recently announced that they had a comp uh, the, the legal um, permission to bring level three autonomous driving to the market. And um, for, for those who are not, let's say, familiar with this uh, naming level three, it's that, that, that means how much uh, um, the driver or the the, yeah, the driver needs to take over the responsibility for driving. So level three is still for low speed, but you are legally allowed to do things um, in parallel. And the liability is still only to follow the instructions of the car. But if you go higher to level four, level five, like higher speeds and level five as the ultimate goal to uh, not even take over driving tasks um, and no liability at all in the car, I think that that is one of the most dominant, um, let's say, parts, which also impacts the entire ecosystem, like um, saving money on estates where you don't need parking spaces because a car can basically drive all the time. It will increase, hopefully, in the end, um, the safety on the road. So it will decrease the cost for insurances and stuff like that. And this is something I still believe um, it takes some time not sure if 10 years is the right uh, scope for that one. Um, but I think that is basically one of the key drivers still. And for sure, the EV market, um, I mean, we are now in the, in the full, uh, let's say, transition, in my opinion. So last year, I think it was around 400,000 cars only sold by VW. So which is, in my wow. opinion, already a big number. Yeah. And for and the last one for sure. Um, I mean, um, data data management, data data science, machine learning, and especially embedded devices. I think data safety and, and stuff like that will get uh, more dominance and more more needs. And um, that's why I see also embedded devices here. Well, and that's in fact our big bet, uh, though not so big because we are stronger. And we by we I mean Dennis and I, but definitely a lot of other uh, folks out there. Uh, the biggest bet we are doing is indeed on embedded machine learning. Uh, we have uh, uh, just completed uh, a series on, uh, on this show. So feel free to uh, download, listen again, or listen for the first time the episodes that you might have missed about embedded machine learning. Uh, it's of course a general introduction, but in fact, uh, we are, and Dennis and I are, have started a, a commercial collaboration with our companies in building prototypes for uh, different clients in different sectors, one of which is indeed the automotive sector, uh, you know, building these prototypes with embedded machine learning and, uh, and embedded systems in general. Very exciting projects, very cool stuff. 
definitely we, don't, we will not have flying cars in the immediate future, but, uh, but safer cars for sure, uh, cleaner cars for sure. And, uh, you know, as uh, Dennis mentioned, uh, a lot of good impacts a bit everywhere um, in the insurance world, in the parking uh, uh, challenges that, that people have been tackling for so many years, uh, logistics, um, uh, CT 2.0, etc., etc. So there is a lot of the, a lot going on there, uh, and uh, of course, when you want to improve the street, why not starting from the car? <laughs> All right, Dennis, this was cool. This was a great episode. I think I'm pretty sure that the listeners of Data Science at Home will enjoy as much as I did having this conversation with you. Uh, of course, we will report some of the references, um, some of the concepts and names that uh, Dennis Berner from uh, DigiLabs uh, mentioned on uh, this show. And I will report this in the usual show notes of this episode on datascienceathome.com. Dennis, this was great. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Francesca. It was an absolute pleasure for me. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.